Um, and then we'll read Genesis just over the page, Genesis chapter 9. So Genesis 8, Genesis 8, starting at verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And now uh, reading Genesis chapter 9, starting, starting at verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's, let's just pray before we uh, enter into his word. Father God, make this word alive to me, Lord. Make this word alive to me, and may this, may your promises uh, remind us of the wonderful grace that we find in Christ Jesus. Direct us and guide our hearts um, to see what wonderful, what a wonderful God you are. Be with us now in your name. Amen. There is often this tension between, between doing what is uh, the right thing and doing maybe what is a little bit, we'll call it the easy thing, right? The right thing would be to tell the truth. The easy thing would be to just let the truth just slide, right? The right thing would be to feed the person begging on the side of the road or, or take a meal over to the, the lady with seven kids. The easy thing would just be to mind my own, mind my own business. Right? And in our passage, you might be tempted to think that God chooses the easy thing. I'm, I'm never going to punish again. But the truth is, God does punish sin again. He, he, he both promises never to destroy all living things with a flood, and yet deals with the sin that the first flood was meant to eradicate. I want to just take this apart and look at how God does both of these things using a simple sentence, okay? The sentence is this. God makes a monumental promise, although there is still morbid sin, because he is a merciful God. God makes a monumental promise, although there is still morbid sin, 
because he is a merciful God. So God makes this monumental promise. Indeed, we start reading this flood narrative kind of towards the end. I I don't have time to read all of it tonight, but what's happened is the waters have subsided, right? After Noah uh, comes out, they, they come out and they worship God. We read a little bit about that. And then God puts in the sky his, his rainbow, the sign of his promise to the world. And he says in uh, verse uh, 15 of chapter 9, Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Now the Hebrew word for rainbow here, uh, it's not important that we know it. I don't even remember it right now, but that's okay. Uh, the word, what it means is actually bow, as in uh, bow and arrow. And I thought this was a wonderful thing um, because he takes this kind of aggressive word and he turns it into a word that reminds him of his promise. The word that is used to describe archers and, and what they do with, with arrows and powerful men, yet God takes this symbol and turns it and uses it for good. The almighty God who causes death and destruction, takes a bow and puts it in the clouds. And indeed, when dark clouds come and thunderstorms roll in and tornado sirens go off, there appears in the sky a rainbow. It does remind God of his promise never to destroy all life with a flood. We can, we can cling to that promise. Sherry sh- sh- shared some promises earlier and, and listen to these ones. God promises that even though we walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil, for he will be with us. Or, or uh, the promise of, of his love, as Paul says, for we can be convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, ni- neither anything in the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise that is. And if there's anything that's emphasized over and over and over and over again in the Bible, it's that something that forms the backbone of this whole book is that God keeps his promises. Everyone in this room, all of your family, everyone else has the potential to break their promises to you. But not God. Not God. So even though we start reading at the end of the story, I need to really really remind us why God makes this promise. So remember uh, that God has just annihilated everybody but, but, but eight people from the face of this earth. The Lord saw how great the wickedness was uh, of the human race and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. And it burdened him. And it caused him to regret creating human beings. So he destroyed them with a flood and put to death many, many people, wiping from creation the best part, remember? The thing which he called very good, you and I. And this is not not folklore. Some people say the creation myth is just, well, it's a creation, it's a myth. But masses of people really died. I was reading that uh, in 2012, an ABC reporter interviewed Robert Ballard. Robert Ballard is the underwater archaeologist and the leader of the expedition that found the Titanic. He was fascinated by this idea of a great flood. So Ballard took his team and went to the Black Sea region to try and find evidence of this flood. And actually, they did find evidence. 
400 feet below the surface of the Black Sea, Ballard and his crew found an ancient shoreline, and along that shoreline, signs of man-made structures. But it's also suggested that there was this catastrophic flood. So he took some of the shells, and he, and he carbon-dated them, and, and Ballard established a timeline for when this flood probably took place. And he, he estimated that to have happened around 5,000 B.C., right around the time of Noah. This is what Ballard says. It was probably a bad day. Yes. At some magic moment, this flood broke out. This flood broke through and flooded the whole place violently, and a lot of real estate went under. Now, I, I, am, I am emphasizing this because countless children's messages and Sunday school stories have been told about Noah, right? We could probably tell it. But they, they leave out the fact that this great flood happened and killed many, many, many people. Friends, this is divine punishment. Judgment literally being rained down on mankind because God must punish sin because it's completely against who God is. And it's completely against his holiness. What sets him apart from, from all other things that he is unstained from evil There is no sin in him. God is completely and utterly holy. We we know Bible verses. First first Samuel chapter 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. Or earlier on in Isaiah, the creatures say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if God, this holy being, did not punish sin, this is what it would be like. I don't know if you remember a, a a few weeks ago, Maybe, uh, yeah, a few weeks ago now, uh, the guy named Omar Mateen, who went into this nightclub in Orlando and shot people. Shot 49 people, I think. Right? If God didn't punish sin, it would be like if Omar Mateen did that but lived, and then we said, well, okay, that's fine. He just, he just got away. The world would be outraged. The world would be, what's going on here? What kind of crazy is this? And the thing is, friends, God could punish us for our sin right now, and he'd be perfectly right to do so. God understand that. We, we could all go outside, stare up at the clouds, and watch them open and flood us till we drown, till we cling to the... You know, those pictures of the floods where people cling to high trees or climb up buildings and we, or we'd tread water till exhaustion. We could go out there and the water would come up to our noses, fill our lungs, and we would drown. And God would be perfectly right to do so. God would be perfectly right to do so. So, um, the, the, the God remembers his promise, right? God makes a monumental promise, and he does that because there is, there is morbid, there's still morbid sin, right? Even though Noah was saved on the ark, right after our passage, we read um, of, 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 of Noah's son sinning, right? Sin was not completely eradicated from the face of the earth. There was sin before the flood and right after the flood as well. And we know this to be true. I just talked about Omar Mateen, but uh, 
None, no one here has done what he's done. But we might be tempted to think, and I know I'm tempted to think, I'm not that bad. I practically only tell little white lies and never to my wife. And I, I don't do things that God commands me to do. And I, I give to the church and I pray for the poor and needy. I'm not that bad. I, I even sometimes evangelize, even though it's really hard. But I want you to think of sin and our sins as uh, little piles of manure, okay? One little, one little poop, one little rabbit pellet isn't that bad, is it? We, could, we can deal with that. But if they're not removed, eventually they begin to pile and pile up until we have huge heaping piles of sin all around. Before that flood, the sin was so evil and continuous and so mountainous that God had had enough. He wiped man from the face of this earth. For us, it might be um, one covetous look. It's not that bad. One hateful thought. Maybe one, one bad word as we're driving. Maybe there's that homeless person or we, or we don't pray for the widows that we know. It really isn't that bad. But the fact is, these things, all these things are less than holy. And anything less than holy and good is against God. And all these things build up into huge piles of manure that God must destroy. No one dying, no one dying in the flood could look up at the sky and shake their fist at God and say, you've been unjust. Why are you doing that? It is totally within God's right to wipe out the earth. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and we deserve not only, not only physical death, right? But we also, we also deserve a spiritual death, a death that is just horrid for us. Uh, in, in Luke 16, there is this parable, right? Uh, there's this wonderful parable. Well, it's not one. Well, there's this parable that Jesus tells where there's a rich man and, and a poor man. They both die, and the rich man goes to hell, and the poor man goes to heaven, right? kind of recalling and and uh the poor man is uh the poor man is up there with father abraham and his many sons and then the 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 rich man is down in hell and down in hell the rich man looks across the great expanse and 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 he can he can he can he can just make out their their figures and he says father abraham please send someone to dip their finger in water and touch my tongue that they may cool the tip of my tongue. I mean, think about that. What kind of pain and torment must you be going through if that is your one request? Right? And that's what we deserve, friend. That's what our every sin condemns us to. And God should send us there by a great, by a great flood washing us from the face of the earth. God makes this monumental promise that he won't do that. But there is still morbid sin. We know it in our own lives. And the last thing that we said is, 
He does this all because he is a merciful God. We could say it this way. Even though there's still morbid sin, God makes this promise not to destroy life, and he does this because he's a merciful God. Right Right in verse 15. I'll, I'll read it one more time. Never again... Well, I, never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Never again. Even though he should destroy all life right now because of sin, he doesn't destroy us. Now, this is the wonderful, wonderful thing about God. God must punish sin. He loves justice. He must happen. Justice must be served. Justice must be served for the liar, adulterer, ungracious, unloving, even us, because what do we say? He is completely holy. God must punish sin. But I guess here's the gospel. Here's the gospel, friend. Just as great as the death and destruction we we should experience, so great is the hope that God offers you and me. It's simply this. We still sin, We all know we do. And God must deal with that sin. He must punish that sin. He must act in justice. But God also loves to save. So he provides another way. He provides another ark, another rescue, another life raft, if you will, for us. Which, friends, is why Jesus Christ is so important. I love speaking of Jesus because he's this fulfillment of all of God's promises in the Old Testament. And in the person and work of Jesus, in that one place on the cross, you can see the, the, the love of God and the justice of God meet, right? Jesus suffers the punishment that we deserve uh, on, on our behalf so that now anyone who believes in him, not just the one Abraham family, is saved by God's mercy. God loves justice, but he loves to save. By by punishing Jesus instead of us, he acts justly and deals with all sin, and justice is served. And by forgiving all those who believe in Jesus, he gets to express his wonderful goodness, his graciousness, and his love. I mean, doesn't that astound you? Doesn't that just... I hope, it, I hope it just stirs you again and again that just through one man, the human race is rescued. Uh, just as one man is the human race rescued from that flood, through another man is hum- humanity offered life apart from death and destruction. This is the power of God unto salvation, that God would take your sin, my sin, and count it against his own son, Jesus Christ, and instead, give us life. Instead of death, he rescues you from utter torment and destruction and hell. Isn't he a wonderful God? This is when you can say amen. Right? He did that for you. And if you believe in God and trust in his name, that promise, that mercy, that hope is for you. So Christians, in, in closing, let me say two things to you. I, I, don't, I, this was, I don't want you to leave here thinking, I'm such a shin, sinner. 
be assured that your salvation, your salvation is secure because Jesus Christ has already dealt with it, paid for it. I, it's easy to think back last week, you know, I said that bad thing or I, or I, I did something wrong, sinful, but if you believe in God and are genuinely sorry for that, he doesn't care. it's already been dealt, dealt with. He rescued you. It's, be assured of your salvation. But secondly, I have to say to you, Christian, we cannot leave here without thinking about what we say or what we do. You must, we must think about how we live. The Heidelberg Catechism, I know that we sometimes study that in the evenings. It's just this old document that summarizes what the Bible says. The Heidelberg Catechism tells us to do good works as a way of saying thanks to God for rescuing us for providing Jesus our hope, mercy, and peace. It says we respond in good works so that we may witness to our neighbors that they may be won over to Christ and saved from destruction. And if you're here this evening and you're not sure about God, you're not sure if you trust in his name, let me say this to you. You are welcome. You are welcome. We want to say hello and welcome and stay for coffee and cookies after this and visit with us uh, again and again um, because we enjoy having you here. We love you. But come back again because even more so, the God who, who set his bow in the clouds loves you and is so merciful that he, he provided a rescue from morbid sin and death and destruction for you if you only trust in his name. And that rescue, that life, that grace is found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. What a wonderful God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Being reminded of our sin is a is a, is, a, is a painful thing, and, but it's also a, a good thing because just as great as uh, we are sinners, even greater are you our God. Is, are you our God? Oh, Father God, may the words that you've spoken tonight through me remind us again and again of what wonderful mercy is seen in Jesus. What amazing grace is seen in Jesus. And what amazing love is found in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.